You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us again. It is Monday at 7 p.m. and you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. Go ahead and share and like, share to your pages. Let everyone know that we are on the air. It's so good to see you all on this Monday evening. Come on. Isn't God good? Are you not standing? Do you not have your life, your health, and your strength? And let me tell you something. Even if it may seem as in the moment that your health may be failing or your life may be dwindling, God is still God in your life. And his plan is to raise you up as God raised him up. He's interceding on your behalf right now. Give God glory and Thank God for your life, your health, your strength, your right mind, your right mind. We give God glory today. Again, thank you so much for joining me on this evening. Get over to Romans 5 and again, like and share on your pages. And tonight we're going to talk about the power of possibility. We're going to talk about the power of possibility. And if I had to give a subtopic of what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about reconciled grace the power of possibility. Come on, we're going to tie those together for you so that when you get done listening, you have an understanding. An understanding. Let's see. Um, Romans, let's go to Romans 5. And I am in the NIV version. And I'm in verse 9 of Romans 5. And it says there, since we have now been justified by his blood. We're talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Through Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, for if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him. How? Through the death of his son. How much more having been, here's this word again, reconciled, shall we be saved through life? Verse 11 says, not only is this so, not only is it just our reconciliation, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received, here's this word again, reconciliation, reconciliation. Now go over to Ephesians 4. Go over to Ephesians 4. Again, I'm in the NIV version. Verse 1, it says there, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort 
every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called, there's one Lord, there is one faith, and there is one baptism. Verse six says, one God, and there's only one father of all who is over all. One God, one father over all, through all and in all. Verse seven, here's our key verse. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ, as Christ, as Jesus Christ. You know, the one who, uh, who, who, who was born, who lived, who died, who was resurrected and who is sitting at the right hand of the father right now, interceding for you, that he is the one. It says, but verse seven again, but to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, as he apportioned it. Why did he do such a thing? Verse 14 says, um, it says there, I'm skipping down, then we will no longer be infants. He gave us a portion of grace so that we would no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind, and we're going to touch that, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So that we're not tossed back and forth by people in their deceitful scheming. Verse 15, instead, we're going to speak the truth in love. We're going to grow in every respect of a mature body of him who is the head. Again, that is Christ. That is Jesus Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does the work. Let me go back up here and I want to touch on Romans 5 when we were talking in verse 10 and 10 and 11 when I was reading and we saw three times a version of reconcile. We saw reconciled twice in verse 10. We saw reconciliation in verse 11, in verse 11. So the, that word reconcile, it is the word catalege, catalege. And it is stating, it is meaning God as the reconciler and sinners as the ones that are being reconciled. Why so? Because it is the human being which breaks the relationship with God. Now, how do we know that? We know that because Isaiah 59 and 2 tells us, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. So to be clear, reconciliation is not something that we do, but something that God provides and we receive. Why is this important to understand? Glad you asked. This is important to understand because of grace, because of grace, which is yet another gift. It's a gift 
from God. Now, reconciliation is a form of restoration of a relationship or the act of making one belief compatible with another belief. If you recall the last time I talked, I spoke about having a double heart. It's a, it's impossible to make that one belief compatible with another belief because one is of God and one is not of God. But when we talk reconciliation, we're talking about aligning what we believe. That's why I said we're going to talk about reconciled grace and we're talking about the power of possibility because if we can understand what is available to grace as far as grace that God that Jesus Christ has provided to us if we can understand that then we can touch it we can access it we can activate it see we're going to continue I'm getting ahead of myself let me slow down because this is really really good this is really really good and it's just 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 God showing us again how much he loves us showing us how he went out of his way to see to it that we have every means, every road possible can lead back to him based on what we choose, based on what we choose. So when you think about Ephesians 4 and that verse 7 where it says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. You know, um, the King James Version says, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, according to the measure. So it is Christ himself that decides what he's going, what measure he's going to dish that grace out, give that gift, because it's his gift to give. It's a gift. So let's not walk around in our arrogance and assume that grace is always going to be available to us, because it is not. He gives it to us. He apportions it. He measures it according to the gift that he'd like to give you, the according to the gift that he'd like to give me. So when we're talking about reconciling grace, we're talking about making the belief, one belief compatible with another belief so that grace, that is regeneration and holiness can actually work within the measure that it ha that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. We want, we want to reconcile grace, right? So we want to make sure that one belief is compatible with something else we might believe that, that they are the same that they are the same, that they are aligned in God. Because if they are not, we cannot receive the grace, which is the regeneration, the holiness. It can't work. And the measure within which Christ has given to us. See, this is why we're going around today saying more grace, more grace, more grace, because we refuse to change within the measure, the measure of grace that Christ has already apportioned to us. He doesn't have to extend it. He extends it by his love. It is his grace. It's his, it's his gift to us. It's the time that he allows us once redeemed to change, to conform, to align our beliefs, to, 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 to accept that redemptive state through faith and be, and be conformed to a means of holiness. It is a gift. 
It is a gift. Now let's talk about the requirements of grace. Let's understand what it is when he says he gives us this gift. What is his expectation? What is the expectation of Jesus Christ that we would that we would engage with this gift of grace? Romans 6. It says there in verse um, one there, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? Shall we just keep on going and taking for granted that grace, that God is going to, that Jesus Christ is going to extend this gift of grace to us? That, by the way, he has been entrusted with himself. Do we do we think that he's going to continue to allow us to basically, as the old folk used to say, cut a fool? He's going to continue to allow us to do things our way. And, he, and we expect that there will be a yet another measure of grace extended to us so that we can do whatever we want to do. Verse two says, by no means, and I'm in the international version, the new international version, it says, because we are those who have died to sin, supposedly. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How can we live and sin, continue to live in sin when we know we have a measure of grace by which has been gifted to us through which we can change? We can make different decisions. See, grace, again, it's a gift. It's a gift allocated by Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Ephesians 4 and 7, again, we're given a measure. We're giving a measure. Christ himself apportioned it in the NIV version. Verse three says, or don't you know? Or don't you know that all of us, every last one of us, if you're under the sound of my voice, every last one of us, you were baptized into Christ Jesus. You were baptized into his death. Which means if I'm baptized into his death, that means that I am baptized into giving up. I am baptizing and baptized into understanding I am not my own. I am baptized into understanding that I can't just do whatever I want. The time that God has afforded me on this earth, he has a specific purpose for. I don't get to go outside that purpose. Why? Because I was baptized unto his death. But understand, we're going to go down a little further. We're also baptized into his resurrection. Verse four says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism and death in order that just as Christ was, here we are, raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we too, we have a new life. We have a new life. So if we have a new life, why are we constantly trying to reach back for that life of sin that was a part of our yesterday? See, because we died. We died with him. We died with him. And so to live a life of sin is to be living a life with a dead thing. It's to be living life carrying dead substance. It's to be living a life. I cannot think of the word right now, but when something is dead and you're walking around with it, somebody put it in the chat for me. But when you're um when you're when you're what when you're in a state of uh you're no different than a person who has lost a loved one and they refuse to bury them, they instead just carry them around. 
They, they instead just walk them, put them in the house and, and let them stay there because they need their presence. Decayed and all. They don't care if that thing is falling apart. They don't care if it's no longer useful for their life today. They refuse to live without that dead thing. So some of us today are carrying around a dead thing, a thing of our yesterday which when we got up with Christ, it should have stayed buried. But we're having a hard time letting it go. We're having a hard time moving forward without that thing. You know, that weight that's so easily besetting us, so hard to carry around, so difficult, yet we insist because it's familiar to us. Its, pre its presence comforts us. And because of that, we need that dead thing. But we must understand, because you're under the sound of my voice, you must understand you've died to that already. You can't live with that any longer, any longer. Verse five says, for we, why can't we live with it any longer? Because we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also... We're certainly also, here we are, we're also, um, we're also united with him and a resurrection just like his, just like his. So we're, our job, our job is to simply align our belief system. You know, there's something that I tend to do every now and then just to double check myself and I call it reconciling my truth. And I make sure that I have introduced so much me and so much what I want and so much what makes me happy that it no longer aligns with the word of God. I double check myself to make sure that what I believe or what I'm doing or what I believe I'm doing is an alignment with what God believes I should be doing by way of the word of God. And what I'm simply pointing out here is that we must do the same thing with grace, Lest we frustrate the grace of God because we we wait till we get to that that if of a little bit left, and then suddenly we want to change 50 things with an ounce of cure. We want to heal 50 things with only one ounce of cure. When when you had a pound, when you had a pound, you discarded it so easily treated it like it wasn't valuable at all. But now that you're down to an ounce, you all of a sudden want to cure 50 things. Cure 50 things with that one little ounce, that one little ounce. So we have to make sure that we sit down and we reconcile our grace. Make sure that recheck and make sure that we are living and abiding in the truth that aligns with the truth that is of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the issue is that a lot of times we've made a decision, whether consciously or subconsciously, when we won't let go of the dead things in our life, our yesterdays, we've made a decision to not be united with Christ in death. We've made that decision. Most have not died to sin. Most have not. We still pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down, pick it up, put it down. I'm not talking about your feet and dancing, although that's a representative of it. Picking it up, putting it down, picking up, putting it down. You picking up the sin, putting it down, picking up the sin, putting it down, picking up the sin, putting it down. But we've made a decision that we, we, we don't want to quite completely die to sin. So today, even in our churches, we do not see 
many that have been resurrected into a new life. Listen, it, it becomes a time where you have to honestly make a decision. What if, what if, and that's why I called it the power of possibility. What if we made a decision to be all in? What if we made a decision to cast down those demonic thoughts that enter our mind that could that could divide our heart and divide our mind, thereby dividing our choices, thereby dividing what we do, picking up sin, putting down sin, picking up sin, putting down sin. What if we made a choice to be all in? What power would we have in that possibility in that one decision? And that one decision where we're examining our thoughts, where we're examining what we're doing and realigning, if we need to, those things with the power of God in grace while grace abide. What if, see, this is the thing, sidebar here. I could likely look throughout the world and find ungodly people who are more, appear to be more godly than those that claim they are godly people. Like for example, have you ever met someone and maybe there was someone on your job, you spent a, a little bit of time working with them and you just noticed that they were kind that they were gentle, that they were loving, that they were patient, that they they didn't um they didn't subscribe to negativity. They were overall half is glass half half glass is half full kind of people. They were positive in everything that they did. Um they they didn't curse. They wouldn't lie. They were they seemed to by all means have a certain amount of discipline to how they behave, to how they spoke, to how they did what they did. And you thought for sure that they were a Christian when in fact, when in fact, all they did was make a decision on how they wanted to live their lives. You know, and quite the quite the opposite. You met people that said they were Christians, and you could clearly see that the decisions that they've made on how they've chosen to lead their life definitely do not align with the truth of God. And that is the thing that frustrates the grace of God because we we quote unquote have made a decision to follow Christ, but there is not much in our life that people on the outside can point to as an example of what that looks like. They can't find it in what we do. They can't find it in what we say. Ladies and gentlemen, we are frustrating the grace of God. We don't want to get down to the ounce again and try to cure 50 things with an ounce when you have a pound today when you have a pound today. See, there's going to come a time where we we have to we have to decide consciously decide to make a decision to be a disciplined one, a discipled one. See, half of the battle of discipleship and witnessing is done through how we do what we do. We say what we say and how we interact throughout the day. There's not, there is, trust me, more people would believe you if they saw you without hearing you. If they watched you and you not say a word, 
They'll believe that. They'll believe the actions. Why? Because even the sinner understands that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They understand that everything you do is coming from your heart. So whatever they can see you do, whatever they can hear you say, not about Christ, just in your everyday activity, is telling them who Jesus Christ is. It would make witnessing to them about Jesus Christ so much easier because half the battle would be done in what you do. Half the battle would be done in how you interact. What Half the battle would be done just in simply how disciplined you are how disciplined you are. See, much like the scripture that refers to the last being first and the first being last. And that's a scripture that we've heard over and over from our pulpits that at times has been misinterpreted because sometimes it's interpreted out of the speaker's insecurities and things they've been through in their lives, being at the bottom. And finally, they are in a position of leadership and they feel like, finally, I'm first and I was always last. But that's not exactly what that scripture means the supporting the support of that scripture the support of that scripture it it, it has a it has a lot to do with um now let me say this it's not a still i rise you know um moment it, it has a lot to do with and that last hour Who's going to receive Christ and and who's not? You know, there are times. And wait a minute, let me pause. How do I know that? I know that because of the uh, parable about the the workers in the vineyard. And remember that over in what scripture am I in? Over in um, where is that? Matthew twenty, when it says um in verse it says verse one for the kingdom of heaven is like. That's how I know that that scripture is referring to those that came at that last minute and they got the same thing that everyone else got that had been there all along. Why? Because they they understood grace. They understood the rules and regulations of engaging with grace. They understood the words that was coming out of the owner's mouth of the vineyard when he said, if you work for me today, then you're going to get a penny. You're going to get a certain amount. The others that started the day earlier, yes, he said the same thing to them. And yes, they were upset when those came at the last minute and worked maybe an hour or so and they got the same amount. But transform that understanding and to those that uh, have an understanding of God's grace. And when they come into the kingdom of God, when they believe, when they have faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they automatically step into that redemption, their position for redemption. And they immediately start making changes in their life based on that small, that short time of understanding, that short teaching of understanding of who Christ is. They made changes in their life in a short time. They made multiple changes. And then there's we who've been in Christ for years, for years, and we're still struggling with the basic changes that they made just like that, that they made just like that. And they're going to heaven just as you are, but you chose to wait and try to use one, am I, am I at it, right? One ounce of cure for 50 things when they stepped right in and the first ounce that was available to, to them of grace, they changed their whole lives. They changed their whole lives. When are we going to make a decision a decision to be all in so that our whole life literally just turns around. 
literally just turns around. We've all seen it. We've seen people who accepted that Christ lived, that he was born, that he lived, that he died, that he's resurrected. And they begin to walk in the redemption of that resurrection immediately. And immediately their life changed. Immediately habits that they that they had, they were able to give up. I've heard testimonies of folks who immediately believed on Christ's redemption power and were able to immediately give up drugs, immediately give up alcohol without ever having to go to a, a detox center or go through all of the changes that you would normally have to go through. They trusted God to do it and God did it in them and for them. And what I'm telling you is that thing that you find hard to let go of today, God is saying that if you will give me that dead thing and step into my space of resurrection, step into my promise of redemption, that there is grace waiting on you that can completely take that taste out of your mouth, that can completely turn you away from that thing that is trying to hold you captive, can completely make you aware of the thoughts that are going on in your mind so that you can cast them down and put them underneath your feet and cause them to be submitted to your God, to your God. See, our old self, it has to be crucified with him. That the uh, verse six says, crucified with him. So the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we will no longer be slaves to sin. Come on, we see it every day. Folks who are a slave to smoking a cigarette, I see it every day. They go out and every every hour or so, and they got to have a cigarette. They become a slave to it, not even trying to stop. Some have adopted the attitude, up, oh, you got to die from something, and they figure they're going to make this their choice. But I'm telling you today, if that is your habit, you can fall into, walk into that availability of that redemption that Christ has for you. And grace, grace will take that habit from you. Grace will cure you. Grace will heal your body of the damage that was caused during that bad habit. Grace will heal your mind of those experiences. See, we let those experiences overcome us overcome us and begin to dictate to us who we are in God, who we are in God. When, if we would receive the positioning of redemption, receive that positioning, grace is waiting on you right now to teach. We're going to learn that grace does teach. Grace does teach. But that missing piece there is that we have to stop holding on to our old self. We can no longer be ruled by sin because we've already been set free from sin. Come on, if you're under the sound of my voice, I don't care what you're doing right now. I don't care where you're at. God wants you to know that you have already been redeemed from sin. Walk away from your yesterday. Mom, put that on a shirt. Walk away from your yesterday. You can turn around and walk away from your yesterday. You don't need that dead thing anymore. You don't need that dead person anymore. You believe it. Play that part of this recording over and over again until you can believe it for yourself. I believe it for you. You no longer need the emotional abuse that you suffered as a child. You no longer need the trauma of your childhood. 
you no longer need, you no longer need the drugs, you no longer need the alcohol abuse, you no longer need the, the labels and spending your hard-earned money on things, on things trying to be like people of the world, trying to look like people of the world. You no longer need it. You are a new creature in Christ and new awaits you on the other side of this decision. New awaits you on the other side of this decision. See, because Christ, he's already been raised from the dead. You know that how, because I just told you so. If you don't know your Bible, hold on to that. He's already been raised from the dead. And because he's been raised from the dead, you were raised with him. And see, when he came up from the grave, he began to give gifts unto men. Ephesians 4 tells us that he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. But then if you keep on reading, going to verse 5, it will tell you all the other gifts he gave, administrative gifts that he gave. But guess what? That gift of grace, that is yours as well. It's yours at well as well. So you have to learn to recognize grace in your life. Titus 2 and 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So if you're under the sound of my voice, the grace of God is offering salvation to you. It's offering it to you right now. It's offering it to you right now. And then verse 12 says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life today. The Bible says in this present age, it teaches us again to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions, to say no to worldly passions, to live a self-controlled life, to live an upright life, to live a godly life. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, grace teaches you all of that. Grace teaches you all of that. And if grace is teaching you, when you go into your services on Sunday, your leadership that is ministering the word of God, that he should confirm that. He should confirm whatever grace taught you that week. Now, are we shutting down? See, because we want more grace. We want more grace. So are we shutting down to what grace is already teaching us? We haven't learned the first thing. When you say more grace, you want more teaching? You want more teaching how to say no to ungodliness? You need more teaching how to say no to your worldly passions? You need more teaching to tell you to live a self-controlled life? You need more teaching to live upright. You need more teaching to live a godly life. So we still, an ounce, remember, there's an ounce of cure left, and you just going to keep pushing it and pushing it. You need grace to teach you again. You need grace to teach you these things again, or do you need to make up your mind? Do you need to make up your mind and begin to live within the power of possibility? Can we begin to reconcile our grace so that we, we look at what is what the Holy Spirit is teaching us in grace and then we apply it? We practice it. How about that? Say, say more grace, say practice grace. 
How about that? How about you practice grace? How about you practice what grace has taught you? Practice saying no to um, ungodliness. Practice saying no to worldly passions. Practice self-control. Practice living upright. Practice a godly life. It takes practice. You don't need more grace. You need to apply what grace has already taught you. You need to be disciplined in what grace has already taught you. I'm not saying you want to be perfect, so don't give me that. But, but nobody's perfect. No, we already know that. We already know that. But some of us are even making any effort. We're not making any effort to say no to ungodliness. We're not making any effort to cast down those thoughts that the enemy introduces in our mind. We instead accept them as our thoughts and we bring them into our hearts and it splits because we can't have God dwelling with something that's ungodly. And then once it happens in our mind splits, and then once we start what we're doing starts to show that split heart, that split mind, now we want more grace. Now we want God to give us more grace. And God is saying to you today, your grace is about to run out. It's about to run out because you're taking it for granted. And God is not staying where he's not wanted. He's not staying. He said, you draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh unto you. And most people don't read into that what he's, what he's not saying. He's saying, but if you don't draw nigh to me, I ain't coming nowhere near you. So if you're not even going to try, don't come to me when you start getting consumed by your sinful decisions and say more grace, please. No, no more grace. Do what grace told you to do at first. Do what, practice what grace has been teaching you all along. Practice it. And it says here, now listen, and if you fall short of godliness, now think about this. You got 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9. Grace will fill in the gap. And when you fall short, when you don't quite get it right, grace will fill in the gap. Peter said, Paul says it like this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take that thing away from me. But he said to me, he said to me, no, my grace, it's sufficient. It'll hold you. My grace is sufficient. It's sufficient for you. For my power, it's made perfect in your weakness. When you have those weak moments, the power of grace, the power of the possibilities, the decisions you've already made, they come in and they rescue you. They fill the gap for you. And then it says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me, Paul says. So I don't try. I don't even have to try to be perfect. I know my flaws. I can tell you my flaws. All of us, we have flaws. We have things that we just can't. We need God. We need him to be with us. We need him to fix that area. We need him to fill that gap. We depend on him. All of our hope is in him because we know we have deficiencies. And because of those deficiencies, Christ told, uh, God told Paul, no, my grace is good. My grace will hold you in place. You, you're good. My grace is sufficient because when you can't meet it, I'll show up and I'll meet it and I'll meet it. Come on, he's right there. That thing that you just can't give up, that thing that you just can't let go, I promise, tell God, reposition me. 
repositioned me in redemption. I moved away from, but can you can you put me back in that redemptive place? Re, repositioned me in that redemptive space because I want. I desire to live holy. I desire to be reconciled unto you. And I know that that redemptive space provides for me a measure of grace that you've already allocated for me so that I can come through my weaknesses like a champ. I can come through and I can still win and walk in victory because you have promised me. You have promised me that you can fill the gap. You have promised me that your grace your grace is going to be sufficient for me. It's going to be there for me. It's going to be there for me. And I want to share one more scripture with you in Romans 3 and 20, where it says, therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sins. So let's be clear. Let's not try to take the law and make the law, make our flesh perform that which it had not been able to perform in the past. But how are we going to get there? But now apart from the law of righteousness of God has been known to which the law and prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to get there, through faith in Jesus Christ. And it says here, to all who believe to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. There's no difference. There is no difference in my yesterday. There's no difference. There is no difference that can hold me bound to it. It can't hold me bound to, nothing can hold me bound to my yesterday. At this time, Paul was talking to Jew and Gentiles. And when I read that, I, I thought immediately, nothing can hold me bound to my yesterday. You can't hold me bound to the laws that, I, that were used to control my flesh when I was younger as a child. And the laws, like let's, let's say for an example, I thought of like the the rules and regulations that my parents put upon me so that I would be obedient to the rules and regulations that that would keep me safe and keep me secure. But in as I grew older, as I grew older, their rules and regulations could no longer keep me. I had to make up in my mind how I wanted to live, what kind of person I wanted to be. Yes, they gave me a good foundation, but I had to make up in my mind what kind of person I wanted to be. And therefore, once I made up my mind that I began that I began to have certain practices that aligned with the will and the purpose of God for my life. I chose those. And when I chose those, that is when Paul is saying the grace of God, it came in and it kept me when I felt, when I fall, when I fell short, it kept me through every situation and circumstance because I already had a made up what one mind. I had a made up one mind. And then verse 23, it says here, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Verse 24, and are justified freely. We're justified freely, freely because it's a gift by his grace. And here's that word through redemption that came through Christ Jesus. And all are justified freely by his grace through redemption, which means redemption comes first. That's why I said, ask God, position me, reposition me for in redemption, reposition me in redemption, because I know that in redemption, there's a measure of grace. 
there's a measure of grace that's going to teach me how to live a redeemed life, how to live a resurrected life, how to live in the resurrected form that Christ himself has made available to me, how to live in that measure of grace that Christ has already allocated for me. He's already redeemed you. If you're under the sound of my voice, the scripture is telling us he has already redeemed you. You might have moved out of position because I read earlier, human beings, we walk away. We walk away from that free gift of grace, that free gift of redemptive power to salvation that Jesus Christ has waiting on us. Just walk back. How about that? You walked away, turn around, go back. Just go back and stand under his redemptive power. Why? Because grace awaits you to teach you how to live that redeemed life. No, you don't know everything. No, you're not going to get everything right. No, you're not perfect. But grace will cover. It will be in that gap. It will rest in that gap for what you don't know. But stay in the redemptive power of grace. You know, as a matter of fact, I said earlier, ask him to reposition you under his redemptive uh, gift of, of under his redemption. But you know what? No, make a decision, turn around, walk back and stay in his redemptive power. Stay there because grace awaits you. And you'll know when you've repositioned yourself under his redemptive power, because you will hear the Holy Spirit begin to teach you all things. Through the word of God, through reading your Bible, as you read your Bible, you'll hear the Holy Spirit talking to you. And you need to do that and put this away. And don't do that like that. Do it like this. He'll talk to you just like just a calm voice, a calm voice just telling you whether you should go left or whether you should go right. Just a calm voice to guide you. God's grace is there to guide you so that you can grow in this redemptive state that Christ has already provided for you. This salvation that is already there for you. I'm not talking today to people who have known Christ for years that I may be. I'm talking to my babies. I'm talking to those of you who are writing and like, I don't understand what God wants from me. I'm not able to, I go to church. I don't understand what the preacher is saying. They're talking above my head. I don't understand. And I'm reading my Bible and I got different versions, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. I'm telling you today that grace is going to tell you what to do with what you read in the Bible. It's going to tell you, it's going to instruct you. It's going to guide you in holiness. It's going to guide you in godliness. It's going to instruct you so that when you fall short, that you don't have to feel like you got to walk away from God. Grace will talk to you and tell you, I got you. You're good. I got you. I don't expect you to be perfect, but I do expect you to understand and know what sin looks like and know when you are in it and know when you are allowing it to operate through you. And I want you to be conscious to know that you are able to take control over those thoughts in your mind and you are able to make them subject to the spirit of God that is in you. And the same spirit of God that is in you and me is also in you. I know I'm the one talking to you today, but we have the same spirit of God. 
We have the same grace that teaches us every day how to live godly, that teaches us how to live holy, that teaches us what God approves of and what God does not approve of. We both have it today. We both have it today. And it is yours for the keeping for the keeping. So you don't have to allow mistakes that you make to move you away from God. Nothing has to move you away from God because you've already made a decision that I'm going to walk in his redemptive power. So when I make a mistake, I can say, God, I made a mistake. It's called repenting. I made a mistake. I believe that I should have went left and instead I went right. I believe I should have did A and instead I did B. Holy Spirit, help me to understand. Help me to understand why. Help me to understand what. Help me to understand so that I can do. Help me to understand so that I can do. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we've been talking about today the power of possibility. We've been talking about reconciled grace and understanding the measure, the gift of grace that Christ gives us and understanding that it is a gift that he gives in measures that he chooses. We don't get to choose and we don't get to tell him and command of him that he give us more. We don't get to do that. We get instead only to follow. We get instead only to follow. We get to when we when we step into that place of Christ's redemption, when we step into that place of salvation, we are, we are reading the word of God and the Holy Spirit is instructing us and guiding us. Grace is teaching us. Grace is guiding us in everything that we do and everything that we do. So it is up to us. It is up to us to go. It is up to us to make sure that, to make sure that we are consciously examining, you know, I'm always going to go back to this, that we are consciously examining ourselves over and over throughout our day, throughout our activities to make sure that what we are doing and what we are saying is indeed aligning, aligning with the word, the love, the peace, the joy, the strength, the direction of God. We are not our own. If we're under the sound of my voice, know today you are not your own. You've been, Christ paid a hefty price for you. He paid a hefty price to have you, to have you as a, as a, as a, as, as his, as his, as his brother, as his sister, as his friend. He paid a hefty price for you to be called the child of God. He paid a hefty price. And today we ought not take that price, that sacrifice for granted, for granted, because it's, it's for you. It is for you. And it's for you to receive that today. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today. I thank you today for my life. I thank you today for everything that you've done for me, in me, and through me. And I'm saying that to those who are under the sound of my voice. We thank you, God. We thank you, God, that you want us to be pure vessels for you. And we thank you, God, that you want us to understand everything that you have died for us to have. You want us to 
know that it is touchable, accessible to us. And you want us to know that no matter what we've been through and what we've done, only a simple turnaround, a simple turnaround, a simple repentance, God, you will receive us again as your own. And I thank you, God, for cleansing us from filthiness of the flesh and filthiness of the spirit. And I thank you, God, for making us whole again, making us whole in you, God. And I thank you that you're you're raising up now, God, vessels that you can use for your glory. You're raising up vessels, God, that you can use to bring others to you that can be used to help others, God, walk in that cleansed place, that, that healthy place in God, that pure place in God that pure place in God. And we thank you, God, for all is well in you. All is well in you. And I thank you, God, that you are causing, you are causing us, you are causing us, God, to walk worthy of the vocation wherein we are called. I thank you, God, that you're causing us to stand firm on your word. I thank you that you're giving us a testimony, that you're making us bold, God, and that you're taking us through the different phases and stages and experiences in our lives so that we will have them as a testimony to others and so that we will never take for granted. Never take for granted the grace that you have given us, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the leading and guiding that you have given us, the the details, the extremes that you've gone through, God, to see to it that we align with truth, God. And I thank you, God. You promise that you never leave us or forsake us. And I thank you that you're true to your word. And so today we promise that we will never leave or forsake you, even when we don't understand, even when we are find ourselves not properly aligned, we'll realign. When we find ourselves far away, we'll turn around and come back because we love you, because we need you, because we need you, because we need you. And we understand that your grace, your grace is sufficient. It carries us, it holds us, it protects us. We thank you, oh God. And as my voice goes throughout the airways, God, save God, heal God, make free and deliver. Let not one word of your word come back to you, boy. Make it do what it has always done because your word never, ever comes back without having accomplished your will and your purpose. So I use your word today to go and rescue, to go and rescue people from themselves and from their choices and from the hand of the enemy. Scoop them up, God, and hide them in your bosom that they may walk in a place of freedom that they may walk in a place of holiness, that they can walk in a place of godliness, raise raise up your blood-covered hedge of protection to protect them, protect their minds, protect their thoughts, protect them as they sleep. Don't let the enemy come in and show tear amongst the weed. Cause them, God, to be focused. Focus on who you are in them, God. And cause them, God, to protect, to protect, to protect the sanctity of your word in them. In Jesus' name I pray. Let your will be done. And let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And let your kingdom come in the minds of your people, in the hearts of your people. 
In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. And um, I look forward to seeing you on next Monday at seven o'clock. Um, if you'd like to donate to this podcast, the information will be on your screen. Again, thank you so much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you on next week. God bless. <laughs>